Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Three Roll Estate Craft Rum Distillery, crafting premium rum from their own Louisiana sugarcane. Three Roll is cane to glass. From Nola Pizza in the Nola Brewing Tap Room on Chapatula Street in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Rashidi, Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Rashidi. Welcome to Out to Lunch. In the early 20th century, an entrepreneur by the name of Martha Matilda Harper had a hairdressing salon where she taught women her method of cutting hair and sold hair care products she made herself. The salon did so well, she got other women to open another location where they replicated her first salon. That was so successful that she did it a third time, and after a few years, Martha had started 500 salons that were using her methods and selling her hair products. In the process, she invented the concept of franchising. Today, you can buy into a number of franchises. Most notable are household names like McDonald's, Ace Hardware, and Remax. But there are thousands of others, including a franchise called Tap Truck. Tap trucks are kind of like food trucks, except they set up a, like a bar and sell drinks. Unlike food trucks, tap trucks aren't big boxes on wheels. Each tap truck is a totally renovated, tricked-out vintage truck. The two tap trucks in New Orleans are a 1951 GMC Pennell truck and a 1951 Chevy. The local trucks are owned by the restaurant Central City Barbecue, and the New Orleans operator of tap truck is Lene Dusson. Lene, welcome out to lunch. Thank you. Happy to be here. It's funny how things go in cycles. When industrialization came to the U.S. and people moved away from the countryside, they found themselves living on pieces of land that were too small for a cow or a garden, so nearby farmers delivered them milk and vegetables. Then, when there was a big enough concentration of people living in the suburbs and zooming around in cars, nobody wanted to be old-fashioned and have food delivered from a farm. Not when you could drive your station wagon to a supermarket. Today we've come full circle. We want everything delivered and local organic farm to table is the ideal. A company called Top Box Foods is making that ideal a reality in New Orleans. Connor Deloach is the co-founder and executive director of Top Box Foods. Connor, welcome out to lunch. Thanks so much for having me. Lene, we typically assume alcoholic drinks that come out of a tap or beer. Tap truck does indeed serve beer from its taps but it also serves other drinks, including wine, cider, cocktails, coffee, and, and even champagne. Serious beer drinkers often believe that tap beer is superior to bottled beer because it comes directly from the barrel and the brewery. However, wine drinkers, cocktail drinkers, and especially champagne drinkers typically have the opposite opinion of bulk tap-delivered drinks. Is that opinion justified? Is there, in fact, a, a way to serve champagne and cocktails from a tap to someone who is serious about those drinks? Or is tap truck typically aimed at more casual events and, and perhaps a less demanding clientele? Uh, well, I guess the first part to that is, a, is talking about um, wine and keg. So wine and keg has become extremely popular, obviously started out of Napa in California, as, as most wine does come from <laughs> here. Um, but what they started to see is that cork and glass um, was really uh, expensive 
and was you know hurting our environment so by putting wine in stainless steel kegs we're actually able to pour and then um, recycle those stainless steel kegs back in so there's no waste there um, that's a, a perk that most a lot of people have really gotten excited about especially you know in a city like ours where you know recycling is so tough so um, you know we can put kegs of wine on tap uh, that's 120 glasses of wine that just comes straight <laughs> out of the, the tap handle, so you're not waiting for somebody to sit there and open a bottle. That does speed up the process. Um, the other perk that, that generally people like is you're not going to have the oxidation of wine like you would in a bottle. So each, you know, that first glass to the 120 is going to taste exactly the same. Um, yes, I get there's people that, you know, want that very expensive bottle of wine. And yes, those that wine bottle is still going to be perfect for those people that uh, collect and things like that. But for um, people that are general wine drinkers, um, there's some great wines that come in keg. And speeding up the delivery of alcohol, I mean, who's going to fight you on that one? Exactly. <laughs> now, Connor, a lot of startup businesses with a great concept have to educate the market to make their business work. For, for example... Initially, Amazon had to convince people it was safe to share their credit card information online. Uber had to convince customers that getting into a car driven by a random stranger was a good idea. Unlike these startups, Top Box Foods is in the rare and enviable position of having both a product and a service for which there is a proven demand. Your product is local fresh fruit, vegetables, and groceries like locally grown rice and locally made sausage and cheese, and your service is delivery. So given that you're starting out in the ideal position for any business, why is Top Box Foods set up as a nonprofit? So I think it goes back to our origin. Um, Sheila and Chris Kennedy, who is the son of the late um, Robert F. Kennedy, founded Top Box in Chicago, and it was really to address the, the issue of food, de food deserts throughout uh, the inner city. And so Top Box was set up as a nonprofit that is doing supply chain intervention, doing sort of bulk um, you would say value purchases of, of sort of you know last second produce and um, bulk buys on fro frozen meats um, and then using a, a network of volunteers to make that food oh we got the pizza here it comes um, using a network of volunteers to deliver it to, to deliver that food to centralized locations throughout the city specifically in those low access areas where we knew uh, people struggle so um, like I said, it all goes back to our origins, and we think that uh, because we are a nonprofit, pursuing kind of this social business model, we have a lot of advantages, and our goal is not necessarily to make a profit, although that is part of what we're trying to accomplish, um, <laughs> but our goal is to use our nonprofit status to leverage, uh, you know, grant funding and other resources to help further make our food more affordable for, for folks who really don't have any uh, disposable income to be spending on food and, and live a, on a really tight budget. So when you start talking about the local food, for instance, local vendors are, are part of our mission as much as people who are living in low access areas and don't have like access. For instance, they were completely knocked out during COVID. There, there were no farmers markets and, Correct. and yeah. things like that. And, um, but that food, for us to, to pay local farmers an equitable price for their food, um, we have to sell it at uh, kind of a high markup. So for us to be able to offer that back to um, people who can't afford that that premium price, um, we need to use things like GusSNP, the Gus Schumacher Nutrition Incentive Program, which helps us uh, match EBT dollars, dollar for dollar, when they're purchasing produce. So our our status as a nonprofit enables us to do all kinds of um, charitable programming and, and leverage resources that well, otherwise we wouldn't have, have that, available that, to us. That totally makes sense.
Lene, um, one of the things that I like when we're uh, finding out more about the company is you try to source locally the same kind of thing. Uh, how does that work out? Yeah, I mean, NOLA uh, beers right, right here, right. right here that we're sitting. Cheers um, to that. Yeah, cheers <laughs> to that, for sure. <laughs> clink, clink. Um, yeah, for us, you know, uh, we have the ability as a caterer to bring craft beer um, to events. Um, draft beer, um, you know, we are the only uh, beverage caterer that brings draft beer. And as we talked about, draft beer, in my opinion, does taste better. Um, so yeah, we're, so we're, we try to push as much craft and local as possible, really supporting um, the Louisiana breweries. Um, I also offer like tap tasting. So a lot of our wedding couples are not from New Orleans or out of state. So I offer for them to come in. It's kind of my play on like a cake tasting. And we lay out all the different beers from New Orleans and let people, um, you know, try them out. And it's a great way to kind of showcase the city, get to know the couple as well as kind of show them some beers that maybe they, you know, weren't familiar with before. You know, there's a couple of things I think you guys have in common, but right off the bat is that you're really trying to help those farmers, uh, Connor, that, um, to get their products out when it was difficult. And on the other side, Lene, I would think that one of the reasons people want to deal with you, aside from selling their product, is you get that out so people try their their new things. Yeah, um, the breweries are, are great, you know, partners, and, and they actually, you know, help me a lot, too, because people will come in to, you know, let's just say NOLA Brewing and be like, hey, I'm having a party. How do I get NOLA beers at my party? Go, oh, well, tap truck, you can put all on all six taps. <laughs> you could have NOLA beers if you want. Um, so it's... Um, yeah, it's, it's really nice to help to kind of push the small breweries and, and the craft brewery scene and help it grow, um, you know, here in New Orleans. And Connor, when you have, um, like when you came in, why don't we say, I guess you were the first, I don't even think franchise is the right word to use for what, <laughs> what you two guys are doing, but it's easiest to, to make it under, understandable that way. When you first came in, you weren't from New Orleans, um, and you, you used an interesting line that I saw that you wanted to make top box not about you and I thought that was a what did you mean by that um, well certainly not about me as my colleague standing over there will let you know um, <laughs> we have a, a big team and a lot of people who are contributing but more importantly it's about the community um, when we first started really our goal was to talk to people within the community specifically like community leaders so we spoke with a lot of pastors um, people who are running YMCA folks like that who are working within the community and, and, and basically wanted to understand this concept that we that we believe in, that we really wanted to get started. Is this something that you think there's a need for? Is, is this approach um, viable? Do you think people will take to it? Um, so it's always been about incorporating the community in what we do, um, understanding what kind of foods people want to eat, and um, ultimately, hopefully, you know, our goal, our vision is for Top Box to be exclusively run by people from the community. Um, now, as a nonprofit, uh, it can be hard to find hardworking people sometimes who are willing to take sure. a little bit of a cut. So um, we still have a pretty, pretty small knit team, but we are working really hard on getting people from within the community to um, take this on and really own the process that, that we've created. God, do you think uh, you would be that, that person who maybe gets a city going and then moves on and gets another city going? Is that part of the goal? Uh, Top Box has experienced a lot of growth um, since the pandemic, for sure, both here and in Chicago. Um, and they, there's a, a branch that's kind of getting going in Atlanta, but they really don't have um, the pieces quite together yet. Um, and there's a lot of talk right now about how do we make this more of a national approach? We are duplicating efforts in both cities. Um, we're creating different marketing schemes and running different programs, which are ultimately the same, but really should be 
but are called different names for some reason. So there's a lot of talks about that and how we can create sort of the framework for franchising this in different cities, so to speak. And is that something that I would love to do? Yes. Um, am I pretty committed to ensuring that the work that I've, I've personally started here um, is in a good place and, and has legs and is, is secure for the long run? Absolutely. And Lene, you, I saw that you do uh, events for children. I'm just hoping you switch yeah. out the taps or yeah. the kegs. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, the fun thing about the six taps is they're interchangeable with whatever beverage you want. So um, we actually do children's parties as well. So we can do root beer on tap. Um, I've done vanilla cream soda, cherry cream soda. We can do root beer floats, lemonade. I, um, you know, it's kind of fun. You know, we always have a couple taps for the adults and a couple taps for the kids. Um, <laughs> But some people even choose at their weddings and other events to put lemonade or cold brew coffee. We do our cold brew coffee through French Truck, so again, staying local. Um, you know, just to offer something a little bit different. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Lene Dusan from Tap Truck and Connor Deloach from Top Box Foods. Now, Connor, you had, uh, talk about shifting gears in here. You both have, but originally, were you delivering um, all of this to a central location, and then you got to the point where, where I kind of found out about yeah. you, the delivery. How did that go? Um, yeah, so traditionally we would deliver once a week um, on Saturdays, sometimes Saturdays and Sundays, to a whole host of different churches and community centers around the city. Um, about two weeks prior to the pandemic, we had a, a team meeting where we said, you know, this is gonna be a problem. We can't have 50 people congregating in a park. We have no idea what this is gonna look like. Uh, how are we going to adapt and continue to serve people when we know there's going to be even more need than ever? And, you know, fortunately we had some trucks that were that we already had, um, and we decided we we're going to put them on the road every day and do home deliveries. So we transitioned to entirely home deliveries, and we're not entirely ruling out the you know centralized pickup model um, in the long run, but we're still very much in the pandemic, I think, and. Um, there's clearly, there's clearly been a ton of demand for home deliveries and it's really what people find to be most convenient. So we're really committed at finding a way to continue to um, support home delivery, but as you might imagine, it's far more costly. Yeah. Um, so fortunately we are a nonprofit and have had a lot of grant and um, donation support to keep that running. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the change to home delivery we saw a 900% increase um, in the first three months. People um, like to make it easier for themselves, right? Yeah. They sure <laughs> they, they sure leave the do. house. Yeah, there was a they sure do. And, and we've been really fortunate to, to bring on a lot of um, lot of loyal customers, people who have stayed on, and, and where we're at now is over 300% where we started um, before the pandemic. So it's very, very apparent that home delivery is kind of what people are looking for. Any chance it eventually becomes kind of a hybrid model? That's kind of the goal. So we're looking at things like fitness centers, clinics, mm -hmm. um, places where we know people are going on a regular basis and making those um, uh, accessible locations for you to be able to pick up your box or your food. We're really actually looking into prepared meals right now as kind of like our next big endeavor. So trying to um, work with community groups that we've identified to flush out what these recipes might look like, what the meals are, and basically establish like a, a nutrition plan that we can ideally put uh, in coolers that will set up at different um, different locations. Now, Lene, you had the opposite uh, situation. He got too much business, effectively, and mm -hmm. and you. I did not say that. Well, no, <laughs> no, no, no. I said you had a. Let's see, you had to regroup and get yeah, ready for the yeah. new demand, right? And uh, but Lene, you. I mean, what did you do? Did you just shut down. Yeah, I mean, we for COVID, we shut down for about uh, 16 months. 
um, you know, due to the fact that we are an event business. So, um, you know, most of all of our things are 100 plus people. And when we the city got shut down for large events, so did that. Um, fortunately, we are mostly built for outdoor events, which does help. Um, but yes, you know, we kind of had to, to shut down and put the trucks on a seasonal insurance and just kind of wait and, and focus on um, still getting our, our name out there. Um, my uh, calendar turned into a little bit of a chess checkerboard of rearranging and postponing and postponing and postponing. I have some weddings this spring. I think I've postponed th- these people probably three or four times. So They still want to be engaged, though. That's good. Well, they're probably already married. Most of the couples now are actually married. Some of them didn't tell grandma. So they'll tell me, like, hey, we're married, but grandpa doesn't know. So can we really make sure we act like this is real? And then grandma says, a tap truck? I'll be there. Yeah, grandma <laughs> goes, grandma gets excited about the tap truck, especially <laughs> if her name's Sandy, because uh, we named our trucks Sandy, and then the blue one's named Bo. So oh, sometimes anybody that names their vehicles, I like. That's you a- got to name an old car. Mm. <laughs> our truck's names are Perry, there Larry, and Jerry is our newest one. Perry, Larry, and Jerry. But the original one, because they're refrigerated trucks, um, if you remember the old Philadelphia Eagle, um, Spencer Perry, I think this is his name, AKA the fridge. Oh, the fridge. Oh, the fridge. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, yeah. So that was the first truck. And my, my former colleague who helped start Top Box here, his name's Sam Hammond, he, dear friend, and, and he's moved on, but he's from Philadelphia originally. And so we both had the, the, the Spencer Perry, I think it's, I don't know why I'm blanking on the name, but the fridge the played fridge. for the Bears. Yeah, That's yeah, right. The Bears it's and the Eagles. Scored a touchdown right. in the Super Bowl. Yep. I remember oh, that. there you it, go. It was a broad shouldered young man, as I recall. Yes. <laughs> uh, hey. Connor, when we, when I, when I first started looking at what you're doing, I was thinking, well, to get this food out at a reasonably priced uh, level, and particularly to community service, you must be really getting down the from the farmers. You must be really trying to squeeze them. No, you're not. No, 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 no. And I, I mentioned this earlier. We make sure that when we're working with a local vendor, um, we are they, they're pretty much dictating the price. The last thing we want to do is squeeze them down and have them go to the market and have everyone who traditionally goes to their market say, oh, well, Topbox is offering it for cheaper, so I'm just going to buy from Topbox. That's not our goal. We really view, like I said, vendors are, are sort of our secondary mission. And I guess I'll go back because when we started Topbox, it was all about the, the tangible component of giving food to people who don't really have access, um, creating access, creating affordability. Uh, and over our years, we really started to recognize what the problems were that persisted at the systemic level. Um, and have taken more of a name on being part of uh, a collaborative approach to affect policy and really affect this, the, make, move the needle within the food system towards more of a localized food system as a whole. Um, so supporting vendors is, is a primary goal of ours and, and the last thing we would ever want to do is squeeze a vendor or lowball a vendor. Um, we take advantage, like I said, of, of resources available to us to make sure that we can offer their food at more affordable prices. The squeeze is in the middle because you're a nonprofit, I guess, so the vendors the grower's doing fine. The Squeeze vendor. in the middle. Yeah, yeah there's or, a... or at the table when you get those fresh lines. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nate, we've had a lot of people on the show that involved in one end or the other of alcohol, and they've all talked about tremendous amounts of regulations and a Byzantine set of rules. Have you had to deal with that? Um, yeah, I mean, you do need to... You're on uh, wheels. You are on wheels, <laughs> yes. Um, you know, and that is why, you know, we are part of Central City Barbecue, and that is uh, for our legality, um, you know, to have our mobile uh, ATC permit and our insurance and everything like that. So, um, you know, we do have uh, full legality and permits insurance to cover us to travel anywhere within the state. 
of Louisiana as well as uh, the ability to source anything that is distributed in Louisiana as far as liquor, wine, or beer. Um, but yeah, we're, you know, when you're dealing with alcohol, you got to make sure you're, you're doing everything by the book and taking care of the people uh, with risk and liability, unfortunately. In a party that likes, in a city that likes to party. <laughs> you know, I, just maybe because of where I'm coming from, but I think when I hear about a, a beer tap, all of all of that, I think of it as kind of a macho dude kind of thing. Yes. But and then I walked in. Yes, that's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what? Um, a lot of people do have that vibe, especially because we're dealing with uh, 1951 vehicles. Um, so you do have a little bit of that. Uh, I, I have heard more than once when I step out of my truck, I wasn't expecting a woman <laughs> to get out of the truck. Um, you know, so um, yes, um, but fortunately, there's a lot of women that are just killing it in this industry and in other industries with really cool old cars and um, kind of showing that, you know, we could drive these old cars, you know, as well. Um, but yeah, I really like to kind of take the model and it does have that kind of beer truck dude vibe, right? We're talking about big, cool, you know, cars and beer. Um, but there's something really pretty about these cars, uh, especially when it pours champagne out of it. It's dressed up with flowers and, um, you know, 90% of my clients are women. So we need to make sure it looks very pretty as well because it's, the, it's already the groom's favorite. We're already right. in with him, you know. Um, you own him, yeah. So it's decor. It's it's the for women. It's all about the details and how pretty it is. And I think the trucks are really, really pretty as well. Now you mentioned something uh, that we have to kind of connect here. When you say your customers are mainly female, mm -hmm. who are your customers actually in this? Mostly brides. Oh. Mostly brides. So um, I remember getting married. Nobody had any interest in what I was talking about. So I can understand <laughs> yeah. this. Yes, I would say that women are generally the ones booking, you know, for their weddings um, and um, even for events. It's just kind of the way that it is. So. <laughs> and what is your connection to Crescent City Barbecue, which is another oh, great place? Oh, the Central City Barbecue, we, we are owned by them. So that is, we're part of their catering department. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. All right. The, so they uh, do all the food catering and we do the booze catering. And Connor, the, when vet, the price of vegetables, particularly at the local level, I assume bounces up, uh, up and down a little bit seasonality-wise. And I'll, how do you deal with that? Um, so, you know, we've been doing it for nine years. Yeah. So we have a, a pretty good, um, we have a pretty good foundation to work off of. We have a lot of historical data to reference. Because um, I've never but, had sitter, uh, you know, a sticker shock from you guys. Right. So the the the, I think the main thing is keeping it seasonal as much as we can. Um, so rotating the products almost on a weekly basis. So if you get a fruit box. Um, that can look very different in February from, you know, April or May. Um, it should. Yeah. Yes. So it's it's about rotating. And then also, you know, what we've been trying to do is, is really break out the products outside of the box and give more flexibility and customization to what you're ordering. Um, obviously, there's, you know, to maintain and, and reduce waste, you have to kind of keep it tighter and, and make sure that, you know, the products that we're getting are going in a box that's going out um, and providing too much flexibility can be a problem from a financial standpoint. Um, but we really focus on just making sure the products that we are we are offering are seasonal, especially the fresh ones. And speaking of products, uh, you know, you've, you've grown over time. Is there another product down the road? We brought you back here a couple of years from now. What would... Yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned earlier, but I really think prepared meals are... Uh, really big strategic development for us. Um, we've been really fortunate to get a grant to pursue that. To pursue that. Um, 
what we recognize, especially with all the FEMA feeding programs ending, is that you know our our service is phenomenal. You know, I, I stand by it, of course, but we're we're missing so many people who can't take advantage of of fresh groceries. You know, cooking is um, to some extent uh, a privilege. You know, a lot of people don't have time. Um, they might not have the, the physical capabilities. They might not have the education. So, um, prepared meals, uh, however that ends up looking, whether it's you know prepped and ready, heat and eat, frozen. We don't we don't know exactly yet. That's what this next year is about. But um, our th I think that'll be the next big development for us. Connor, you've been able to switch models and such. What else is out there that you think you might be able to uh, do well with? Um, so. You know, we are an extremely collaborative organization. Pretty much everything we do is embedded in the community or within community collaborations and partnerships. Um, and throughout the pandemic, we started partnering with a couple different clinics um, who are serving, you know, a demographic that could definitely use support with, with groceries. Um, and they've identified that, you know, healthy eating is preventative in some of the reasons that they come to, to see them in the first place. So. Um, we've been establishing a program that we haven't really put a name on yet, but it's sort of a food as medicine program um, where we are partnering with clinics, healthcare providers um, who are identifying people who could benefit from having access to more healthy groceries, and then they are um, directing them to Top Box Foods programming uh, to acquire those produce, th those groceries. And, um, I don't know, we really believe in the, the holistic approach because it's, it's literacy, food literacy, it's access, it's affordability, all of these things um, contribute to how we see ourselves playing a role within the food system and, and we think this is kind of like the epitome of, of all of those things. And don't worry, you'll come up with a name because Linnea will come up with it for you. That's all. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. She's naming trucks, there's no reason I, I, she can't name we a can, yeah. healthy program. Yeah, it's, in addition to our two trucks, we also have um, added a, another vehicle that is to be named. It's a 1955 Cushman uh, Truckster. Uh, it was inspired by uh, COVID. Is that smaller? Yes. Okay. So it was inspired by COVID events because we were getting these calls for like 20, 25 people, which doesn't really make sense for a full panel truck with six taps on it. Um, so we built these Trucksters and they have three taps on them to serve, you know, any combination of beer, wine, cocktails, but basically like a little scooter. Um, so, you know, it's all about, you know, kind of like how Connor is, is you know, you're just kind of ebb and flowing and organically evolving your business into what the world is giving you. Um, and so that's kind of how we've, uh, you know, migrated uh, organically through COVID is creating some things for smaller events, backyard, weddings, bridal showers, baby showers, you know, things where maybe the truck doesn't make sense. And I, I can tell by one of your earlier responses that you really... You really love your trucks. I do. You oh, they're, want... they're like babies, yes. I'm, <laughs> I'm quite attached to them. Um, as we were discussing Mardi Gras, of putting our trucks out in front of Mardi Gras, you know, it makes yes. me very nervous to have beads and throws anywhere near these, uh, you know, uh, Sandy has an original paint job with pinstripes that are hand done. So it would be very sad to see that 70-year-old paint job uh, get hit with some beads. Oh, no. Or even saying bad words to the truck. Being bad words to the truck. We would never want that. We would never want that. <laughs> Connor, the, um, the term you hear, we, food desert is obviously one of the terms, but uh, food insecurity, how big, I imagine it's very big, how big is it in New Orleans? I think the most recent stat I saw is one in four kids are not sure where their next meal is coming from. Wow. So it's pretty big. <laughs> um, I think, you know, it's it's easy for people who have the means to get to grocery stores and you know even people who 
are low to middle income who can get to grocery stores, but that can still be a difficult decision when you get there. Um, it, it's sometimes easy to, what's the word, not necessarily look away, but you don't, you don't see it. It's not necessarily right in your face. You know, sometimes homelessness can be more, um, you know, direct and you understand that it's prevalent. Um, food insecurity is not something that you necessarily recognize just by looking at a community. Um, and those decisions that, that problem persists and weighs on people in a, in a very heavy fashion and it's cyclical. Um, you know, if you are food insecure, next thing you know, you are you know, if you're struggling to pay for food, next thing you know, you could be struggling to pay medical bills. Um, and it's a, it's a vicious cycle. And is, do you have a subscription kind of arrangement or? That's a great question. Um, it is certainly um, something that we are considering, uh, especially as we continue to embed our work with local um, producers and with um, the you know, Crescent City's Farmers Market, Recirculating Farms Coalition, they have a, a weekly bag or a weekly box that they sponsor. Um, so we are very, very interested in, in pursuing subscriptions. We have done, you know, one update after another to try to keep up with things from a like e-commerce website standpoint. Um, so <laughs> it's been um, a wild ride trying to keep up, and uh, that certainly is the next possible next possible step for us. You know what I would think was, first of all, I think Lene that you could just drive away and there wouldn't be this mess from the party. <clears throat> that is actually uh, a huge thing that venues enjoy about us is that when we are done, we basically turn off the taps, take the handles off, put our bar inside and we're out. Um, you know, we're not leaving glass and a lot of trash as we discussed earlier because we're kegs, we're not throwing glass, you know, anything in the trash. So uh, it makes for a very quick exit. It also makes for a very quick setup, um, which I've found to be very convenient. Um, especially, you know, we do second lines sometimes, so we have to be very quick in our setup and very quick in our exit. And um, the fact of how we talked about pouring drinks so fast really helps with those second lines too, because if anybody's been a part of one, we know you want that drink quick and you want to get in line, right? <laughs> I would think, because I know that when you order a beer from the tap, it's mm -hmm. you don't have to pay for the uh, packaging and all that. I would imagine you have pretty good prices for this draft prices are less than package prices which allows us to be you know offer a really good affordable um, per person rate for people um, it does it does save us some money which in turn we like to push that on to the client delivery just makes sense economically and environmentally on any given day instead of 500 of us getting into 500 cars and going out for groceries a handful of vehicles can deliver that same amount of food to all of those people. And they can deliver food to people who don't have transportation or who live in neighborhoods that don't have easy access to fresh or locally sourced produce or groceries. And although drinking alcohol might not be as essential as eating fruit and vegetables, we've come to learn in our stress-filled lives, entertainment and enjoyment are indeed a vital part of our existence. So whether you're talking about top box foods delivering fresh produce or local groceries or tap truck delivering drinks and a good time, delivery just makes sense. Lene and Connor, it's been great to meet you. I look forward to following the continued success of tap truck and top box foods. Thank you both for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Thank you. Cheers. My pleasure. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Lene Dusson, operator of Tap Truck New Orleans, 
and Connor Deloach, co-founder and executive director of Top Box Foods. We edited this show to fit into the time slot here on WWNO. You can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Lene's drink deliveries and Connor's food deliveries by listening to our Out to Lunch podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch podcast on your podcast app and on our website, itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and on our Out to Lunch social media. These photos were taken today by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris, our technical producer is Eric Merle, and our researcher is Maggie Mendel. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the lunch table for more business New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch was recorded live over lunch at the NOLA Brewing Tap Room, 3001 Chapatula Street, open seven days a week. NOLA Brewing Tap Room has a wide variety of craft beers and authentic hand-tossed New York style city pizza by NOLA Pizza. More information is at nolabrewing.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Three Roll Estate Craft Rum Distillery, crafting premium rum from their own Louisiana sugarcane. Three Roll is cane to glass. And by Basics Swimming Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie. And by the It's New Orleans Happy Hour podcast. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. <laughs>